The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I have a cast of characters, your favorite Hale Varsity writers. I'm going to go... Uh, in a row, just introduce yourself real quick, and I'll go to the next person. Aaron Sorensen, hello, how are you? Good, just uh, trying to, I know you are now in quite literally the Windy City, but Nebraska, I don't know what's going on, but it may not exist tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Brandon Vogel, hello, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, very happy not to be dealing with Nebraska wind, which growing up on the high plains, quite literally, was, was probably my least favorite thing about living there. So um, sorry, guys. And I guess I have to introduce him. We had a, a very interesting conversation off pod. I'm not going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm not going to get into it on pod because I like you, Steve. Steve Mark. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, Derek. Uh, yeah, we had a little snafu right before there, but you know, it's all right. We're talking football. We're having fun. Glad to be here. You know, I have bad takes regularly. <laughs> I, I am regularly missing the mark when it comes to my takes. It happens. Everybody has, you know, things that, that they're just wrong about. So we'll just leave it at that. We're going to talk about the spring game today. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday morning. If you guys are listening to this, maybe you're listening to this before the spring game. If you are, I love you. If you're listening to this on the drive to the spring game, I love you. If you're listening to this after the spring game, congratulations. We're not going to talk a ton about specifics with the spring game. Thank you for listening anyway. Before we get into it, uh, make sure that you are subscribed to HailVarsity.com to get all of the spring game coverage and get a magazine. Also, Brandon Vogel has a podcast, the IED Preview Podcast, that you can listen to. Aaron Sorensen has a podcast, the Mind Your Own Podcast, that you can listen to. This is a proud part of the Herd App Media Network, as are those other two shows that I just named. Go to hillvarsity.com backslash network, and you can find all of the Hill Varsity podcast offerings. Guys, um, let's start with this. Spring games are times for, for coaching staffs to have fun with it, get a little weird administrations to get a little weird as they try to get butts in seats. And there are some spring game gimmicks out there. You'll see celebrity guest coaches on the sideline. You'll see halftime concerts. You'll see in-game contests, things like that to try to get fans involved. Do you like gimmicks? And if so, what, what would be your preferred, like, spring game add-on steve i'll start with you yeah i i'm maybe not too much of a fan of gimmicks i i guess i'd I'd much prefer just like the closest thing to just like real football and i know that's difficult in spring but um my preferred method would just be you know 
making two teams and letting him go at it um, just closest to a game-like scenario scenario that we can. But um, one of the gimmicks that I thought was kind of cool that Georgia Tech has recently done is they just mic'd up their coaches, mic'd up the head coach, mic'd up some players and just like um, listened in um, during like here and there. And I thought that was kind of cool just because you never know, like once in a while you might catch something that's really worthwhile, like that a coach says to a player. And I think that's kind of cool. So um, miking, miking um, coaches and players up, I think would be like a, a cool twist, I guess. Who is, who is Mike? Like, where's the feed going to? Like, I don't, I don't feel like Georgia Tech's spring game would be on television for the 12 people that want to watch Georgia Tech. Right. It was on the ACC network. Yeah. They, uh, they, they, the feed went up to the, they did have announcers and they did have cameras there. So it was televised, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of cool to watch and, and kind of just talk, see the, see the coaches kind of talk about the spring and, and why they're doing what they're doing and what the drills are and, and things like that. I personally boycotted Georgia tech when they went away from the triple option, Brandon <laughs> gimmicks for you. Are you a fan of them? Do you have a favorite one? If so, uh, not, not a huge fan. I'm sort of in this, you know, same boat as Steve where I'd like to be able to, to try and learn something from the spring game, even though that seems to become more and more difficult each year as more and more of these become televised and paranoia grows paranoia grows among the coaching ranks. Um, so I would be into some like rule experimentation. Um, you know, you, Steve may not know this is a, this is old take for me, but I'm, I'm very anti kickoffs. Like I just, let's get rid of it. It's, it's a, uh, it's just a, a ceremony at this point for the most part. So I'd like, uh, I'd like somebody in spring game that there's been talk about, okay, well, if you get rid of kickoffs, you still have to have the opportunity for an onside kick. What if there's only onside kicks? Um, which is some people have said, oh, you set up like one down, you got to get eight yards and you just do that after every score. I'd be, I'd be interested in that just to experiment a little bit with what future football could, could potentially look like. I do enjoy, so I'm, I like stakes as well, S-T-A-K-E-S, which often ends up being steaks s-t-e-a-k-s or hot dogs as we saw with michigan that's kind of tired to me so i think we need something if we're going to put stakes on the game i want to divide up all of the players who want the same number whichever team wins be like all right you two dbs you want a number five red team won, so that guy gets number five i think that would be a motivating factor for the players much more than uh what they happen to eat a hot dog one day that's pretty good. I, we, you and I have talked about the kickoffs thing before. And I, if I remember correctly, I've tried to get you all the way over to my side and just completely outlawing kicking from the game of football. Um, how do you feel about using, you know, cause like college basketball used the NIT as, as sort of a rule change incubator. How do you feel about using a, a spring game? Just one year, use a couple spring games and completely outlaw kicking, no punting, no field goals. It would obviously be dumb and it wouldn't happen because then coaches wouldn't get to see special teams that they would be using in the fall in practice, but outlaw all kicking. Are you there? Are you getting closer to being there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I would certainly, if, if that were to come down from the NCAA or even just the individual conference, I would definitely watch more spring games than I probably already do that year just to see see what happens. Um, it'd be kind of interesting. And I mean, 
college football teams like NFL teams are going for it more often on fourth down than they ever have before, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting thing that like you think about it from a defensive perspective, like kind of changes what you, what you have to do. So I'd be in for that. Like, I don't, maybe Nebraska is a bad example based on the year they're coming off, but like, I don't need to see guys kick field goals in the spring game. So that part's definitely gone. I could do without punting for the spring game and see how it goes. Um, and then maybe give me an off season to consider it. Maybe we'll just be done with punts altogether. Okay. All right. We're getting there. Um, Aaron, Steve and Brandon are both in the, I could take or leave gimmicks. Don't really like them. Um, we, we got the no fun committee going on on this podcast. Bring us, bring us, you know, back to equilibrium. Give me something that you enjoy. Look, I appreciate Brandon and Steve wanting real games in spring. It's not going to happen anymore. So like I am fully in the camp of the stranger, the better. If you are going to go the path of gimmicks, just have the biggest gimmick day ever. For instance, I'm going to take us back to 2014 when one Bo Pelini decided, yeah, the offense and defense are going to play against each other. The offense, whatever. I, I think they still divided them into a red and white team, but it really meant nothing. Uh, the offense, red team, whatever, won 55 to 46 against the defense. But that was also the day he walked out of the tunnel with the Cats. But that wasn't the only gimmick of that day. There was, so this was almost 62,000 people in the crowd, which I just want to point out was at the end of Bo Pelini's tenure. So like fan interest was waning, but they got 62, almost 62,000 people in that, in those stands. And they got to watch Kenny Bell do a uh, throwing contest from the 30 yard line against Bo Pelini to basically see who could hit the field field goal crossbar. Uh, Kenny Bell won that one just for the record. Um, they were all were having like the best day ever. Uh, Tommy Armstrong Jr. had some competitions against um, other players on the team. Uh, so like they were doing things with Bo Pelini where like they were kind of like testing him because uh, this one quote from Tommy Armstrong Jr. was like, Coach Bo, Bo always comes up to the quarterbacks and he's like, let me throw a couple of routes. So they had just like a ton of fun that 2014 game. We learned absolutely nothing about that team. Literally there was nothing. Um, I'm pretty sure people walked around, walked away thinking Riker Fife was going to like give Tommy Armstrong a run for his money uh, because he scored a touchdown. Uh, but like we learned absolutely nothing. Yes. Fife's line that day was nine for 12 with 89 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> he also ran for another 44 with five carries. But my point is, and also Johnny Stanton was in that, that spring game. Um, they just, they went all in. And I think if you're going to go the gimmick route, go all in. So I was looking at what some other people have done in the past. A lot of these are pre COVID. So I understand some of that wouldn't work today, but I mean, Alabama on their a day has done it where like you could basically pay as a fan to sit in a certain reserve section and be the one to deliver the game ball to Nick Saban, if that's what you wanted to do. Um, I'm just kind of of the belief that if you aren't going to play a traditional game, which most, most teams are not going to do anymore because as Brandon pointed out, it's like, no one wants to give any secrets away. No one wants to do any, don't just show up and kind of like half acid, excuse me for the fans. Like if you are going to ask fans to show up and spend two hours of their afternoon in the spring like make it super fun. So we don't know if this is going to happen, but if Zach Taylor shows up on Saturday, like they wanted him to have him out there throwing some passes to Trey Palmer, like 
let's make this super fun. Let's have the DBs defending Trey Palmer with Zach Taylor being the one throwing to them or have Zach Taylor and Scott Frost do that like throw off. Like I am all for like, just get crazy at that point. If you're not going to go the path of a traditional game, just get, just get strange. The stranger, the better carry a cat out of the tunnel, have a random fan dressed in all, all red deliver the game ball. I don't care. Like just get, get strange. I'm all for it. It, it, In defense of that, (laughs) the second you said, Bo, my brain just yells cat. cat. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody knows. That was the first viral tweet, by the way. Nobody knows what happened with that game. Everybody remembers the picture with the cat. I did remember the Kenny Bell versus Bo thing because that was really fun. So I do remember, I did remember that one and had to look it up to see who won because I mean, they were, they were like attacking Bo after Kenny won. So I do remember that piece, but no one else would. The other thing people forget is, I mean, it's tough to argue with the results from that 2014 game because that Nebraska team went on, won the national title. Bo Pliny retired, (laughs) went to the hall of fame. Oh, wait. No, my notes are wrong. He was fired after not taking the spring game seriously. Yeah. <laughs> if, I have, if, I have that's one That's the reason. I have Before one Steve. suggestion that I think uh, you guys could help me out with. I want, I love the competition aspect. What about, what if we had like Brian Bichini go out there and see how many punts he can down inside the 10 yard line and however many punts he downs inside the 10 yard line, somebody has to do something. Of that, See, like, amount. I just want to point out that you got this idea from me saying, let's just do 30 minutes of punts. <laughs> but, like, I don't know if, like, you know, let's make Bill Bush do it. If Brian Buscini downs five punts inside the 10 yard line, uh, Bill Bush has to chug five Bush lights or something like that. And this how is how they that? introduce alcohol sales to Memorial Stadium. <laughs> and, that's, and then Trev Alberts walks out and grabs the mic and says, you know what, Memorial Stadium, we're going to do it this season. Congrats. We did it. We're here. We've arrived. 2022. <laughs> I was a little worried where that was going, considering we talked about just outlawing kicking all together. And then Steve is like, let's let's have 30 minutes of punting. But if there's going to be alcohol involved, specifically Bush Light, I, I think anybody can get behind that. Um, also, in defense of not showing anybody anything and not teaching anything from your spring game, maybe that's the route to take in this era of quarterback transfers, especially if you're in a situation like Nebraska's in. If you go out and show that Heinrich Harburg or Logan Smothers, Logan Matt Smothers, Mas- can, Matt Masker, Matt Masker can, uh, can complete nine of 12 passes for a couple touchdowns and get people excited, then. Maybe you're in a better spot going in the Your most popular person walking out of a spring game is always your backup quarterback. I just think, I just think, especially with the direction that spring games are going at this point, if you want fans in the stands, you want them to enjoy it at this point, just like buy into the chaos of it. Like I understand, like I would love to walk away uh, having, you know, something that we have truly learned from it. But I do think that you can learn from this. I brought this example up, but like we learned a lot about Micah Parsons from the Friday Night Lights camp, uh, you know, several years ago when they were having a ton of fun with him. They weren't taking those drills seriously, but they were showing off his talents by like essentially messing around at Friday. But people were so excited about it. I think you can learn, like if you're throwing, you know, 
if you're throwing a Trey Palmer, but there's not any pressure, but you're getting to see what he's able to do, like you still could grab something from it. I just think also it's okay to have fun in this game. And if you're not going to take this as a true quote unquote game, have some fun and let your players just enjoy it and let the fans enjoy it with them at that point. Like don't, don't go like halfway between, like, I don't want to show up to a game where it's like, we're not going to go all in on the gimmicks and having fun, but we're also not going to go all in on the game because then you just spend two hours being bored. A super easy way to toe that line would be doing what some schools, you know, I saw Arizona was doing this. They're bringing in guest coaches for the game, former players. They all Arizona is bringing their women's basketball coach and then their former national championship winning softball coach to be assistant coaches on the sideline for the spring game. Like if, if Scott Frost was like, let's have Amy Williams and John cook be assistant coaches on the sideline for the spring game. Even if it's just for show, like that's a, that's a real good way to score some brownie points and make sure that people are, are a little bit more invested in, in your game. Um, let's move on real quick. What are you specifically watching for on Saturday? If you had to pick one thing, what are you specifically watching for Steve? Um, I'd like to see, uh, the quarterback's accuracy. Um, I think that, well, what's, what's likely going to happen. What I hope is going to happen is, um, Scott Frost and Mark Whipple call some quarterback friendly routes and we just get to see how accurate and how clean of a game, um, like Casey Thompson and, and Logan Smothers and all the quarterbacks are with just routine routes, I guess, if that makes sense, just to, you know, get out there and, and show the fans what what kind of an arm Casey Thompson has, what kind of an arm um, Logan Smothers has, like how how accurate are these guys just with simple kind of routes that um, just simple things that every offense offense does. It, it's not going to give away state secrets or anything, but it just gives fans something to watch and see what these guys have been working on. It'll, it'll be interesting because Frost had a comment earlier this week that it's not going to look like how he would traditionally want it to look like. So if you can kind of help a little bit with that. Yeah. I like that idea. I, I like that. Brandon, what about you? Off the field. I want to see Trey Palmer's NFT. I want to see O'Shawn Mathis commit um, on the field playing off Steve's a little bit. In addition to the accuracy, I want to see kind of the pace of that passing game. Um, does it feel crisp? Do they get back? Does the ball get out? Like, you know, it's a, it's a practice, it's a spring game. So all of this is, you have to temper everything, which is the most frustrating thing about it. But like, can we see these guys kind of get through the progression? Does it look like a, a different sort of passing game? You know, cause we've had four years of Adrian Martinez and it was very clear, like, you know, what he was good at, where his relative weaknesses were, it, you know, and one of those was like, I feel like they just spent a ton of time in the pocket. So does that speed up? I think not to totally piggyback off Steve then for another area. Some of the comments about the offensive line have been uh, eyebrow raising so far through spring. This D line is, is not what Nebraska's full strength D line will be in the fall, but I'll be interested in that group too. So sticking, I guess, solely offense, Aaron, that means you got to save us in good defense or Derek does. I was going to say the offensive line, but I can make that the defensive line too. Cause <laughs> for me, the interesting part here is like, for instance, um, 
uh, Trent Hickson said he's been prominently working at center. Now he obviously doesn't want to say I am the starting center. He wouldn't say that at all. You know, he gets, he gets pushed to like say more and he's like, I can't talk specifics on that, but we know uh, Nori Noelli has been prominently playing at left guard. So now we're kind of piecing this together. Do I think we're going to know our starting five based entirely on what we see in the spring game? No, but it will give us a better idea of who they're seeing where I do think with the offensive line, the other piece I'm interested in is seeing Rayola in action because kind of a big talking point through spring has been, we get this sort of reserved Rayola when we talk to him as the media, but all of the players speak very differently about him. So I'd love to see, you know, just this spring games allow that by the way, like that's the one thing for fans too. Like this is an opportunity to see a lot of these coaches in action on the field, because depending on what, you know, fall looks like, you don't know who might be in the box. You don't know who's going to be here, but typically in the spring game, they're all on the field or at least on the field for a portion of it. So you can kind of see the dynamics in action. I do get into that. It's interesting to watch how people work with one another. Um, So same thing with the defensive line, that D line has a lot to replace and you're talking injuries. You're talking key players that have, have moved on. Um, you, you hear from a uh, Brant banks on um, I'm now like Googling everybody. Um, <clears throat> did I just, sorry, I just switched lines again. My brain did this. Sorry, we were talking about Brant Banks yesterday, Steve, and that is why my brain did that. I don't mean Brant Banks on the defensive line. Sorry, I meant Ty Robinson. <laughs> I just totally switched them. Um, but like you think of like a Casey Rogers, a Ty Robinson, you need these guys to step up. Um, you do need Brant Banks to step up on the offensive line too. I'm sorry for flipping them around, but like it's one of those. I was things- so interested. I thought something had happened that I hadn't seen yet. And Aaron no, is breaking maybe. news on the pod. I was so interested. I know. You had me hook, line, and sinker. I know. Positions. I know. It. Breaking no, news on the podcast. Literally just flipped Brant Banks and Ty Robinson. They don't even look like each other. There's nothing like, there's no reason to flip them. Um, no, but long story short, and I had to like just do that. By the way, people, it's okay if you just get things wrong, just Google it for a second. Um, I was like, what is my brain doing right now? But anyway, I digress. That defensive line is another one where I'll just be very curious to see what Dawson does right off the bat. Who is he putting where? Who is he? What are we seeing from them? I understand we might not see much, but if we end up seeing offense versus defense, that actually might be more interesting than if it was a red versus a white team traditionally. Um, But also knowing that Dawson is taking over a room that he once coached, but then this this group started working with another coach. There's so much about this defensive line that is of interest to me. So all of that to say, I think your lines are going to be really big. I don't know. I don't know what you might gain from it on Saturday, but you there's a lot of people who need to prove themselves. And that includes Brent Banks. Hey, maybe he will. What if he what if he switches to the defensive line? And we find out on Saturday is he just switches on over and then I look like a genius. <laughs> That'd be incredible. I expected to hear running backs in secondary and we got neither of those. We just, we just, we just don't care about Jock yet. I, just I, feel- it, I love your football is the future of football is passing and the present of football. <laughs> so Brent Banks is going to actually be the one catching and running and everything. So we have Aaron 
breaking news on the podcast, and we have Brandon officially killing the run game in college football. And okay. I want Aaron. I want Aaron to go up to Donovan Riella and pitch him her idea with Brant Banks and see what he says. Look, I have a perfect pitch for it. I remember when Indomitian Sue was at Nebraska, and the offense in that 2009 season was not playing so hot. People did say, "What if Indomitian just switched over to the offensive line for a you know a series or two? Give him some he reps did- at center." Exactly. Just all he he doesn't have to be good at getting like just get the ball to the quarterback and just pummel the person in front of you. That's literally all you have to do. So I am I'm not comparing Brant Banks to Indomitian Sue. If somebody's gonna <laughs> listen to this podcast and be like, whoa, what's that about? Don't don't do that. Don't do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit out the last like <laughs> 10 seconds where you were like, don't do that. And just I'm gonna stitch it together to where you say I'm comparing Brant Banks to Indomitian Sue and then we're gonna roll from there. Oh God. Um okay pick one player. This question is for all three of you. Pick one player who you feel like gained the most from this spring period. Because I've seen I've seen more and more coaches, programs, they start to call their spring games a spring showcase um, and, and really try to hammer home the point that a spring game is just one of 15 data points for them. It's it's not a game. It's, you know, a scrimmage with a bunch of people in the stands. But it's about a whole spring period for a guy. And if a guy has, you know, if a guy's like a gamer and has a really good showing in the spring game, but had a real crappy first 14 practices, like it, it can be sort of um, misleading going into the fall. So who, who do you feel like had the best collective spring, even before watching the spring game, who do you feel best about Brandon? I'll start with you. Well, I think, Given that he switched sides of the ball and immediately drew comparisons to Nebraska's best player of the 21st century, it's got to be Brant Banks. Um, what he's been able to do in a short amount of time on the Amazing. defense. Um, now, my pick is Alante Brown, which really started out <laughs> before they'd even started spring practice. I mean, Mickey Joseph and like our, you know, the first roundtables media had with the the new coaching staff, you know, we got 30 minutes or whatever it was with those guys. And he spent a good chunk of, of his time talking about Alante Brown. And that was all before spring practice. So he was a guy that Braxton doesn't have a ton of returning production at receiver in general. And Alante wasn't adding a whole lot of that. Like that's a player who I probably came into the spring with no real expectations for. And so far to this point, it seems like he's certainly emerged as a leader there. Um, so how is that going to show itself in terms of, of what we see on the field from him? So he would be one of my big risers through not just spring, but really post-January. Not to, to pour cold water on Alante Brown, because I really like Alante Brown, but like we've heard this kind of like we've seen this kind of story before, especially with Nebraska in spring periods. If, if you're like how like how cautiously optimistic are you about Alante Brown? Like, like give me a percentage, like, like this is Brody belt from two seasons ago and he didn't come on the field. I talk about Brody belt again. I, I like Brody belt. It sounds like I hate Brody belt. He's always just the first name that comes to my head. Um, he didn't play like he didn't play after all, all the talk, belt. all the talk. Um, like, like what percentage are you at in terms of comfortability with this spring hype for Alante Brown actually translating into, into the fall? Yeah, really good question. Um, now, honestly, Brody Belt was in contention for this award for me. 
They love uh, him. They love him. So I, you know, I need to eat crow on that. He just keeps, well, he just but keeps it's, sticking it's, around. It's the same thing. And it's this way, and it's this way all the time in spring where it's a, a guy emerges, you hear his name a lot. There'll be more receivers coming in the summer, um, you know, and it's a, it's a long time until they kick things off in Dublin. So I would say I'm like 60% buying into what we're hearing about Alante Brown at this point. Like we, we know he's, he's talented. He can do a lot of things. You add the leadership piece to it, all good stuff. It's just like, we still haven't seen anything, you know, much of anything on the field because he hasn't had a ton of opportunity. So I think you have to be a little bit guarded with any of this. I think Mickey Joseph probably helps that percentage just a little bit because you've got a good deal of confidence in him. By the way, you mentioned Zach Taylor. Can he bring Jamar Chase back if he's coming to the spring game? That would be fun. Yeah. That'd be a nice recruiting pitch for Nebraska. Um, awesome. Steve, you cannot go with Brody Belt. You cannot go with Alante Brown. Who are That's you going fine. with? Yeah, so I'll go with the DB room. Um, I'm, I think Marquise Buford has just been a hot name. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it like from everything that Travis Fisher has said about him, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world at 5'11", 190, but he, he tackles like he's a lot bigger than he is. Uh, Travis Fisher said that, and I thought that was kind of really, really cool of him to say. So, And he's been working primarily at safety right now and is looking like a potential starter back there, which I think is just really cool. If you watched, you know, what, what he did last year as a true freshman on special teams, especially as a, a gunner on the punt team, he wasn't afraid of contact. He, he was a solid tackler in space and he just was doing everything that you would want a true freshman to do in his, you know, first season on campus and kind of putting in the work and doing things that not, not many other um, players would want to do, I guess but he just put his head down and did it. And I think he's reaping the rewards uh, of that right now this spring and has probably put himself in position um, to, to kind of earn a starting spot in the defensive backfield. Kids from the, that Texas, Oklahoma part of the country, that South part of the country. Yeah. DeSoto, Texas. They just, they just, they just got a, a different way about them. Don't they, Brandon, the Southern kids. They do. They do. Especially those that are in the actual South. Um, you really see it with them. Aaron, what about you? Pick a player. I have, I'm going to do two because um, I want to take away from, I want to get away from the defensive backs just on, but I do want to just give Quentin Newsom a shout out. Um, obviously, like Brandon said, I do think you have to temper everything that we have heard because we've seen nothing ourselves. So everything that we are seeing is very much just, uh, based on what people are saying. Uh, but I do really like what I've heard about Newsom. He was one of the five DBs that Travis Fisher brought up this week, uh, said to be excited to watch them play. Uh, they're going to be a lot of fun. I also think Quentin Newsom, just from listening to him, has taken a lot of personal responsibility on his shoulders to be um, this leader in that room, having watched DiCaprio Boodle, having watched uh, – just every player who has departed now, he's recognizing that he has to be that guy. So I, I think this spring has been really valuable for him, not only on the field, but also for him as a leader off the field and learning how to step into that role. But so we don't just have, uh, so I don't just give another defensive back. The other players, I would say Yant. Uh, Yant, the one thing that like sticks out to me is when Brian Applewhite speaking about Yant was like, well, you've seen, you've seen practice, right? assuming that we had all seen it and hadn't and the way he was speaking of like, well, if only you could see it, you would 
understand you would get where I'm coming from on these things tells me something about Ian. Talk to your boss, man. Help us out. Right. Come on. But the big thing for him is, is Yant made some personal choices to cut out, you know, raising canes. (laughs) Uh, We all get it. We get it. Uh, But he made the personal choice to take a bigger focus on his health, take a bigger focus on his conditioning, his training. Um, He put the time and the work in and Apple White was the one who said, um, you know, you've now seen him go from not being able to run two consecutive plays to being able to do that. Well, Steve and I were even talking about that yesterday, that we want to see that, like, what does he look like in action on Saturday? I think for Yant, he kind of had to get that like freshman, like get it all out of his system. And I think he's starting to take things a little more seriously. And I do appreciate Brian Applewhite making the note that like that's not to say that he couldn't have like he he basically said I don't know how the previous staff worked or didn't work with him so like he didn't want to he didn't want to throw Ryan held under the bus with Yant I personally think a lot of it was Yant just needed to mature and this spring gave him that opportunity this winter and the spring did and now he has to do something he has to build on that but I think it's been a really good spring for Yant hey everybody has to mature from raising canes to Chick-fil-a at some point we all you know (laughs) Development is never linear. We all are on our own timeline. As long as he gets there, it's fine. By the way, Chick-fil-A got rid of regular uh, chicken strips and kept spicy chicken strips, which is infuriating to me uh, as a as a fan of, of regular chicken strips. Steve, you wanted to say something? Go for it. Yeah, I'm I'm super, super excited. Like if 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 there's anyone on the team that I'm most excited for seeing, it's gotta be Deshaun Singleton. Um, from everything that I've heard from, from Tra- uh, Travis Fisher. I just love the idea of Deshaun Sing- Singleton, six foot three, over 200 pounds. He can cover apparently um, he can carry tight ends. He can, he can do a little, do a little coverage in the back end, plus providing run support as a big guy who can move. Travis Fisher seems really, really impressed with him and really excited about him. And I am too. And I just hope that he balls out on Saturday and just shows that he could be kind of like a come in from community college Hutchinson and play right away on the, on, on a big 10 program. I think that's something that gets me really excited and, and kind of hope, hope, hope that I see something from him from Deshaun Singleton. They've got a good mix of options in the secondary. Oh yeah. A lot of mix. Fisher did a good job. Um, Okay. So the last question that I have for you guys, and after I, after I sent this to you, I sat and looked at it and I was like, I feel like they're all going to have the same answer. The, the question was pick the coach with the most questions remaining in their room as we exit the spring period. I, how many of you picked uh, went th- with the offensive line? Everybody? I did. You did? Okay. Nope. Yep. Brandon's shaking his head. Okay, Steve. Wow. Okay. Okay. Only one. Okay, Steve, go for it. Why the offensive yeah, line? I, I just, I'm just like, see, I, I see the the holes that they need, they need to fill on there. And, and the center position I know is, is a very important, obviously to, to the offensive line and, and, and everything. But uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm curious to see what the line combinations are, like who plays where, where Kevin Williams and, and um, Anthony um, kind of factor in with the, t- the two new transfers that they got there. And it's on the surface, I'm, I'm not very optimistic how things are going to go there, but you know, give him a chance and um, maybe, maybe just a new, a new set of eyes and new T 
teaching techniques, whatever those are, um, maybe it's going to make a difference with this group. So yeah, Donovan Ryola is, and, and that offensive line is, is one that I'm kind of most concerned about, I guess, um, moving forward as, as we're kind of looking and seeing, you know, how the starting lineup starting rotations are going to look for, for when they take the field in Ireland against a big 10 opponent. So, well, I heard there was an exchange program going on between the offensive and defensive lines. Um, Mike, Mike Dawson got Brant Banks. And so the offensive line got Nash Hutmacher. Uh, they really like his get off on the ball. Nash, the polar bear. <laughs> Brandon. He's also moving to defensive line. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, they're switching. They're going to just switch the defensive line to the offensive line and just see what happens. <laughs> That's actually a good gimmick. That's a good spring yeah. game gimmick. Switch them go. and see what happens. That would be absolutely for people that, in, that, that actually want to watch football during the spring game. That would be just, a, I feel like that'd be a miserable experience. Um, or would it? <laughs> Brandon. Alien Weaver on a toss sweep. Get out in front, big guy. Look, everyone loves a good big guy touchdown. So maybe we really make this move the offensive line to running back. See what happens. It's like they do in track. The big guy relays. Mm-hmm. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Brandon coach with the most questions remaining in their room as we exit the spring period. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Mickey Joseph, which like, I feel good about the collection of guys they have there. And I feel really good about Mickey Joseph as, as a coach. But when I look at that group, and it's definitely this one, like if you include the whole pass-catching arm of this offense, lump tight ends in there, so throw Sean Becton in as well. Like, I, I have no idea who's going to leave Nebraska in rece- receptions or receiving yards. Like, we can make some guesses, but they would be pure guesses. I mean – Vocal X about the only sure thing you feel coming in from the tight end room wide receiver. It gets even more chaotic potentially. Like I, I would say that Omar Manning, I think has had an encouraging spring for me, but we've seen in the past, you know, just the consistency of being there week after week after week for various reasons. It, it, it hasn't unfolded. Can, can Joseph help with that? Garcia Castaneda was out basically for the entire spring. Xavier Betts is not with the program at the moment. Um, haven't heard a ton. I, I feel like it's possible I just missed it. Um, but haven't heard a ton about those three redshirt freshman wide receivers from last year. You've got two guys showing up in the summer, Nicolas Crawford and Victor Jones Jr., who I think have a chance to get into the mix pretty quickly. But I just look at that wide receiver group, and we can say, okay, the talent is pretty good there. You feel good about some of the additions they made, Trey Palmer. Um, but I, I still don't know. I have nothing. I, I'm not ready to bank anything on the wide receivers at this point. And it's such a vital part of having some continuity year to year. And, and Nebraska's just got a lot to sort out there. So I'm going wide receivers. And if you want to throw the tight ends in there, by not, by all means, they uh, they certainly fit fit the bill as well. Well, sure. I mean, you know, your 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 quote unquote sure thing at tight end has been a a, a secondary piece since he got here. And that's, you know, not for fault of, of trying to force feed tight ends, the ball. So 
Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the question. Like, I I, I like Vogel. Like, he's got some some strengths. Like, I think he's going to have a pretty big year, but kind of hasn't been your top line tight end. Um, and, you know, Fedoni's status is unconfirmed at at this point, but you know, it seems like likely he's going to miss some time. And you get really young at that spot pretty quickly. I mean, you've got Hickman and Chancellor Brewington, who are kind of not your traditional inline tight ends for the most part which if vocal x stays healthy and plays the whole year maybe it's not an issue but like they get they get young in a hurry at tight end certainly Aaron, what about you so i feel like i could go a bunch of different ways debated quarterback which i'll come back to um debated uh mike dawson specifically because i think dawson doesn't just have like being the defensive fronts coach now and taking on two different position groups while he is familiar with outside linebackers, while he's familiar with defensive line, he has a lot of questions to answer. And I think some of that has already come up in this podcast. So I'm going to kind of like shift back to quarterbacks, kind of. Um, I think Mark Whipple has a lot to answer, but it's going to be a little bit of a different reason why. Um, Mark Whipple was hired because he was supposed to be the one person that Frost would hand the offense off to. And that Frost would say, this is yours. I am, I am here just to offer feedback, but I am, I am the CEO. I am taking a step back. This isn't my offense to call anymore. I will believe it when I see it. So I'm not sure uh, how much we will get of that in the spring game. I feel like we will have a true understanding of Whipple's role in this offense and how much of it is his against Northwestern. But I do think we will have a better understanding by watching the quarterbacks. Um, where things are kind of shifting. Um, but I will just be also interested in watching that dynamic again. I, I know we maybe, maybe won't get a ton out of the spring game, but watching the dynamic of coaches with players is really invaluable. And that's the one thing I think I have personally missed the most of not being able to watch any spring practice while I know they set those practices up for us to watch exactly what they want us to see seeing the dynamic between coaches and players is really important because some of the things that I've always taken away from those practices is Barrett rude. The way that he works with his group, you can just tell how that you just see how they work with each other. You see how he works with them. You see how they work with him. You see that mutual respect. Um, you just got a vibe for how different coaches meshed and worked with their groups, even in those settings, even in the settings where they're like, we're going to set this up so pretty and perfect so that everything looks great. I am still not of the belief that Frost is not as involved as he says he will. And that's partially because I have no, nothing to prove that he's not. So I would love to see what Whipple is really capable of. You know, some little things have started to, to sneak through in spring practice, like in these post practices. And I don't think a lot of us have dialed in on them, but my ears perk up when I hear it. But when they talk about, well, yeah, there's differences, but a lot of things are still the same. And I'm not expecting a complete overhaul here, but every time they say that, I'm like, what exactly is the same? What is the same? What are you, what are you not having to relearn? Like what pieces of the playbook are staying? I think we will see them throw the ball more. I think that's inevitable. But at the same time, my question really is when the going gets tough and Frost gets stressed, does he, does he still let Whipple be the person calling or does that like offensive mind of Frost step in where he's like, I've got to be the one to fix this. We're not going to get that answered in the spring game, but it is something that I'm really particularly interested in watching Whipple and how his role on this offense 
truly is. I I think he obviously is more involved than I would say Matt Lubick was. I I feel confident in that, but I don't know exactly what that looks like. So I think there's a lot of questions when it comes to Mark Whipple and it's not just about why he doesn't wear shoes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the other thing too, with, with, Whipple and this was never going to be something that was going to be answered in the spring was, you know, I'm always a little bit leery of a guy that has an explosive year where they're just amazing. And then he gets the next job, like what they look like immediately after that year Um, was that, you know, I mean, I've seen, like I've seen mock drafts that have Kenny Pickett going in the top 10. Like if you've got, you know, if you've got a top 10 first round quarterback makes things look a lot better than if you had, just a, an average replacement level quarterback. So, you know, Pitt averaged what 43 points a game last year and 29 the year before. So it is, is the, the Whipple that you're going to get year after year, the, you know, closer to the 43 or closer to the 29, you know, like you see pro players, they get in the last year of their contract and they just have career years, like coaches that are ready for that next job. Sometimes they just have a career year. And that's, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't mean to joke about Bob Diaco, who now is known as Robert Diaco, but like, that was the one thing that I remember. And I'm not saying this with Whipple, but I've seen some fans starting to compare the situations where they're like, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to like get excited and then have like kind of the letdown. Now I do remember when like Diaco was hired at Nebraska and these are good learning lessons, even for myself. How in the world did we get to talking about Bobby LaPel on this podcast four years later, five years later, whatever it is. Look, all I'm saying incredible Aaron. All I'm saying (laughs) is I had people from UConn who reached out and were like, uh, you know, just keep an eye on this. Like that could have been just a one-off situation, a one-off year for him at UConn where everyone was really excited about what he was able or not UConn, excuse me, Notre Dame. Um, when he had that really strong defense, um, he was okay at UConn. I don't want to like insult that team. Um, but I'm saying like, it was the Notre Dame defense that I'm thinking of. It was Notre Dame writers, but I don't know if I think it's that with Mark Whipple. So I've seen some people making comparisons where they're like, I don't want to get let down by Bob, like the Bob Diaco type thing with Mark Whipple. I don't know if I think it's that I do think he's a good coach. I just don't know what that dynamic is between him and Frost. And that I think is the bigger piece for me. The bigger question mark is what is that dynamic actually like when the going gets tough? Does Frost is Frost able to still trust him? to make the play calls and to make the judgment calls and to be the one pushing that offensive, that offense forward. And the answer is, I don't know. I would venture to say that, that Nebraska fans like tentativeness to jump all in with this team is, has, is says more about the fact that they've been beaten over the head repeatedly with hope for years and years and years and less about Mark Whipple, which like, to be clear, I'm excited about Mark Whipple as the offensive coordinator. Like, you know, I think Steve and I did a podcast when he got hired and I was really excited. And Steve was also really excited. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So first data point for us on, uh, on Saturday, 15th data point for Nebraska. It'll be interesting guys. You gotta, you got stuff to do. I'll let you get out of here. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate all three of you. 
Thank you. Party shot here, Derek. Uh, I just wanted to say that your preference for regular chicken strips over spicy is the nail <laughs> in the coffin of the is Oklahoma the South debate because nobody from the South wants less spice. So just had to get that in there before. We I, I just I don't like peppers, man. I don't like peppers. You, we're just, who we're, thinks Oklahoma's in the South? Do what? Oklahoma's in the South? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's in the Midwest. Strong aversion to pepper. It's in the very, very, very listen, Midwest. Listen to what you just said. Listen to what you just said. The Midwest. Oklahoma is not in the Midwest. Oh, no. It, I, it's in I, the I Plains. Already, it's great, already, great Plains. We've already litigated this. It is yes. in Great Plains. Yeah, uh, Great Plains. It's not in the South, though. No. That that was just for okay, Brandon. Good. I thought no, you were I saying it was no. Good. I don't actually. I don't actually believe that. No, I don't actually. Okay, okay, I need to. I need to clarify for anybody that's like, <laughs> that saw my tweet about uh, saucy nugs being better than bone-in wings, and then heard me say that I don't like spicy, and then heard me say that Oklahoma's. I'm not an idiot. Okay, I, I understand that Oklahoma's not in the you, South. I, you aren't putting Brant Banks on the defensive line. You're not an idiot. We're, we're, um, <laughs> but to be clear. I apparently missed like the greatest day of Twitter because I had a migraine on Tuesday and that was apparently the day everyone was canceling each other over food takes. So don't know what I missed out on, but it seems to have gotten fairly heated by the end of the day. I got a couple of angry texts over, <laughs> over saying that boneless wings were better than bone in wings. I, you know, why do you think that? I just want to be able to eat. I don't want to have to worry about potentially biting down on a bone. I just want to be able to eat efficiency yeah I, I hey you know what i this is what i said when we started the podcast everybody has bad takes steve i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not gonna get into yours and i and i and i acknowledge that it's a bad take because i i i shared it under the guise of food takes that will get me canceled so yeah. i'm aware that's a bad take but i like what i like okay. amen right. good way to end the podcast thank Great you way to end the podcast. <laughs> thank you guys um We'll be back next week with another one. Plenty of coverage on HaleVarsity.com throughout the weekend of the spring game and everything to come after it. Shouts to Cam for producing this episode every week. Shouts to you guys for listening. And we'll be back next week.